And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Forum Club Courtside Karen Edition. Yeah, it's about as much attention as I want to give to that. Guys, like <laughs> Jovan Buha, Anthony Slater, uh, I'm Bill Orem. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's the story that is dominating the NBA this morning, guys. Uh, LeBron's uh, interaction with a courtside fan and her ensuing uh, social media uh, posts. Um, any quick reacts to to uh, the viral moment before we get onto the road trip? Jovan did a bunch of reporting on it, so uh, we could swing it to him. I'm just stunned that there just was a courtside fan to engage with. Yes! That I just yes! can't <laughs> that. But I understand Atlanta, you know, that part of the country has a different rules clearly right now, different uh, leniency. And I know through Jovan and Chris Kirchner's reporting that you know, they went through a strict process to allow this fan in with, a, you know, tests. Um, but there's a reason most of the, even the arenas that are allowing people in, they have like a little tar, like Utah, for example, I saw a game in Utah yesterday or a couple days ago. Um, they have a tarp and like the first fan that's actually in their arena is like 10 rows up at least. I cannot believe that you you have a blonde lady ten feet away from players yelling at them. That's all I gotta say. Yeah, I, w- I was surprised that there was even kind of a discussion of, of how to handle it. I, I felt like once she took down her mask and, and you know was that close to the players, like that that is where it, it becomes a bit of a safety hazard. Um, so I, I was surprised, you know, because it felt like you know, the security guards were there for like a couple of minutes, like, you know, game minutes. So, you know, probably close to like 10 minutes or so, it felt like. Um, so I, I was just kind of confused on, you know, it, it felt like that should have been, hey, if, if they're, you know, pulling their mask down courtside, like they should be out of here. Um, I thought, you know, the, the most interesting thing to me is like this wasn't even the craziest fan interaction on the trip. <laughs> um, in, in Cleveland, you had a guy who... Uh, you know, it, it kind of went underreported, but went to the, the game with uh, the, these T-shirts uh, with, with slogans calling out LeBron and was just like, you know, hurling profanities at him uh, fr- from the 100 section. And that, that was a one-sided affair. You know, at least this was kind of a back and forth, but that was just purely the guy basically went to the game to troll LeBron. And, and then according to the police report, uh, what was, you know, had multiple security guards have to drag him out as he like was attacking the security guards and the police officers. And like, so this was like the second time that this an incident with LeBron and a fan on this road trip. And it wasn't even the craziest one. It just got the most attention because it was the juiciest. It was the most salacious. And she she was posting all about it. It's also all on camera. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at least yeah. that first one came from the 100 sections, not from seven no, for feet sure. away that 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 to <laughs> me was my biggest problem because i mean like lebron's post-game comments i thought he handled it very well post-game almost kind of leaning into it uh in a joking way not not taking it too serious and i think he's correct like we've missed the fan aspect of sports 
Um, I can't wait for it to be back, even though that sometimes comes with, hey, you know, there's a Giants-Dodgers game where there's seven brawls in different, you know, areas of the the stands. And, you know, there's pregame fights at the tailgates of college football games, all that stuff. Like, there's obviously, you know, drunk rowdiness that, that leads to bad human situations. Um, but But later in the stages of this pandemic, hopefully we're later in the stages of it, um, to just allow people courtside, that just presents an entirely different problem where, you know, what if, what if an outbreak sprouted from that, like that affects the league's scheduling, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Well, and I mean, so a couple points on that, like just because like we all are eager to have fans back in arenas doesn't mean that like we have to accept all that that means right now. Like just because like LeBron can say we've missed the fans and it's great to have fan- be in a building that had fans like you, you, you can you can be excited to have fans, but also still expect that they are kept a safe distance away and that they're going to abide by the health and safety protocols. It's not a zero sum game. It's not like you it's not like you either have to want the fans there and you then have to live with the fact that they could be putting you and your family at risk or or not have fans at all. Like the Hawks, I think, are it, I, and I don't know how many arenas have fans that are that close to the floor. It might just be Atlanta. I'm not sure anyone I'm not sure anyone else has fans that are like literally, you know, putting Instagram posts of their of their uncomfortable shoes on the hardwood. Um, and so there's there's that. But then two, you know, and I, I've 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 mentioned this on a couple of Zooms with the Lakers lately, and I'm probably gonna write a little something that ties into it. But you know, the Lakers are one of only six teams that haven't had a game postponed because of um, health and safety protocols. Now, a lot of that's luck and comes down to who you're scheduled to play and how how safe that team has been. So, I mean, it's not entirely in your in your control, but like obviously the Lakers have been um, have been very diligent and and to then suddenly be exposed to a maskless person whose behavior you can't account for and frankly seems to have a significant amount of hostility for the um, the health and safety you know, not protocols to civilians, but, you know, just, just to, um, pandemic protocols, you know, if you, if you, I don't know how, you don't I don't think th- she's been avoiding Atlanta bars. You don't think she's really been, you know, <laughs> doing quarantine very safely. I don't know how deep you guys got into the, uh, the Carlos family's Instagram, uh, accounts, but I, did not. I took That's a fair, I, I took a, I, I went, I went fairly deep down that wormhole, uh, last night and this morning. And there's plenty of, maskless crowded uh encounters for for the for those fine uh georgians so um i don't and i and i just i just i just think that like to expose these teams that are jumping through all these hoops i just think it's insulting to to the players you know who are making all these incredible sacrifices to have a season and then you let you know this, this 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 these people this woman and you know you know whoever else you know might you know be within spitting distance of the court um you know you know, in, in that in that realm, I just think it's I think it's a slap in the face to everyone who is abiding by the health and safety protocols. And it also speaks to, you know, it's like, you know, the health, health and safety pro- protocols with like kind of a wink and a smile. Right. Because it still comes down to the bottom line. And, you know, I'm sure that, you know, the it does make a difference to the Hawks to to be able to sell courtside seats to some you know wealthy liquor distributors like like those people. And it just to me, it just ultimately is ends up being a bad look for the league because as you said Slater you could and, and god I feel like such an old like get off my lawn like grandpa right now um although the grand the grandpas I know of currently have 25 year old uh real housewives um <laughs> but I I feel like you need to see through your vision of like protecting the players and if there was some sort of outbreak that that spawned from this or if suddenly the Lakers were in the health and safety protocol and could and had games delayed it's like you know it just there, there, there's no good that comes from it you know, from a broader broader perspective so anyway that's that's the end of my uh, my rant 
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Good game by the Lakers, though. That's a good win, I thought. You know, like seventh game of a seven-game trip when you know you're going home, particularly now. Like, I understand the Hawks weren't the toughest team on the trip, but that's kind of a tough, up-tempo, you know, young, frisky team to play to kind of close it out in a situation like that where, you know, you're suddenly getting yelled at by a couple and you're probably like, oh, let's just get out of here. And I thought, you know, that's a mature win from the from the Lakers. They were down six with like a minute left in the third. And then you saw that um, that great lineup that the Lakers, you know, have, have turned to in the last couple of games come in. And Montrez Harrell came in and all of a sudden you have, you know, you end the you end the third quarter with a five point run and then you score 11 straight to open the fourth. So it ends up being a six, a 16 point run for the Lakers with that with that lineup, which is LeBron and then the four bench guys. That has been kind of a revelation for the Lakers, this lineup. And you talked about, you know, needing some energy to to stay with, you know, that young, high energy Hawks team, you know, Trey Young, John Collins. Cam Reddish, that unit kind of feels like the fountain of youth for LeBron James. No doubt. I really think it's also unlocked Montrez Harrell's game offensively, where you look at he and THT. I believe THT has assisted him the second most of any player this season behind LeBron. I think he scored some like 34, 36 points over his last two games. And I don't think it's a coincidence that that has coincided with this new unit because you know, one of the things that was a struggle for that previous, you know, lineup of meh, whatever you want to call it, was there just wasn't much playmaking and, and ball handling. And Trez's stuff was a lot of post-ups, a lot of mid-range, and he can, you know, still get his 15, 18 points off of that. But the way they're using him now as a, a roll guy, as a dive guy, at, you know, parked in the dunker spot and having guys in THT and, and Alex who can get downhill and, and create for him, I think it's unlocked Trez and you've seen a better version of him. So, um, I definitely, you know, I think it's going to be interesting to see what Frank does long term. I don't think you can just outright bench Wes and, and Keith for the foreseeable future. But I, I do think it was telling that in that Boston game, you know, when they needed a win to avoid losing three in a row, he went with those nine guys. And, and you know, that clearly is the, the nine guys he trusts right now, uh, you know, to win a game. And um, so I think that, that that was kind of one of the telling things we, we learned from the trip. I think that took balls by Frank, by the way. And I think it was the right time in the season to do it because you couldn't, you know, it's been pretty apparent, especially from early on in the year that Mark, that, excuse me, not Markeith, but but that Wes Matthews was having a hard time acclimating and it just hasn't really worked so far. But this is a guy who, you know, chose to come to the Lakers, you know, expected to have a defined role, didn't sign for the minimum, by the way. You know, you can't just not play him. You know, he's a respected veteran. I think you gave both he and Markeith a reasonable amount of time to sort of fight for minutes. You know, you got through 20 games and then, you know, you're struggling a little bit on the trip. You know, 
you kind of were able to get away with playing 10, 11 guys on a nightly basis because you were beating up on teams like Cleveland and Chicago and San Antonio a couple times, Memphis. But, you know, once you're exposed a little bit, you know, and it's not working, it's time to make some tough decisions. And, you know, I think I think that, you know, Frank Vogel timed it the right way. You know, I think he, you know, did it when they were kind of had their backs up against the wall a little bit. And, you know, I don't know that you, I don't think you can say that it is, getting Wesley and, and Markeith out of the lineup that's made the difference. But I do think condensing that rotation a little bit, giving guys more defined roles um, is, is, is going to work well. And, and like, like you said, Yovan, it's not permanent. Like those guys will play again. They will have value on this team. You know, we saw Markeith go from a non-factor in the first round last year against Portland to basically being, you know, the guy who turned the second round into a route against Houston with, with his contributions. And so there will be opportunities like that again for these guys. But for where they are right now in the season, um, if they're going to be at full strength, that nine man rotation seems like a winning combination and, and something that Frank Vogel can just can, can just rely on. Wes Matthews is a minus 19 this season. Uh, he's the only rotation player in the minus. That's like kind of hard to do on this Lakers team, right? Um, so he's just, I don't know. I mean, he just looks aged to me and looks like a 10th, 11th man and looks like a guy who at this current stage, if the playoffs started tomorrow, he'd probably be on the outside of the rotation looking in. He'd be J.R. Smith from last year's playoffs, Deion Waiters, you know, whoever, uh, which is fine. I mean, it, they didn't, He's not costing them much. What you said he didn't sign the minimum. What was his contract? Was it the mid-level? Uh, it was the like the three million dollar uh, biannual. Yeah, you know teams miss on that sometimes. I thought he'd be an upgrade over Danny Green. I don't know that he has. I would say he has not been. Even yeah. though Danny Green probably frustrated Lakers fans more, Danny Green probably gave them more. Fans also tether their expectations to contracts and what they pay on guys. Like and like even though it's not fans money, but the fans felt like they had invested 15 million dollars worth yeah, of yeah. emotional uh equity into Danny Green. So it's like it's like all of a sudden it's like fans start getting mad, oh he's stealing money even though it's like it's not your money. Yeah. And whereas Wesley Matthews for 3 million dollars, even if you had similar pr- productivity production expectations you can live with the miss more than you could with danny green being so up and down a year ago well and the the other thing is the supplementary guard wing rotation last year had like kind of danny green felt like he was kind of at the top of it maybe you would even say like above kcp some of that was because of salary and caruso definitely was like a third on that whereas now i mean it's like kcp caruso wide gap matthews and the fact is if matthew struggles just leads to to more responsibility and minutes for kcp and particularly Caruso, the way he's playing, that's fine. You know, that's kind of, that's a, that's a perfectly fine outcome because Caruso probably needs more of a role. Well, and THT too. And, 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 and THT, I think we know, is an imperfect player. He's a little, uh, can be a little overeager and he makes mistakes, but he also provides, his game balances out the rest of the bench a lot better than Wesley Matthews does because he gives you the ball handling and the attack-minded um, presence that you otherwise don't have. And so, you know, and, and also you develop him by playing him. And and so I think, you know, Wesley Matthews does kind of become the odd man out if you don't want to play three guys who more or less have the same role off the, or not off the bench with KCP. But also, and by the way, it's made easier by the fact that, out, that, that Kyle Kuzma is doing more of the things that you would expect Wesley Matthews to do. He has been defending at a really high level. He's been rebounding. He's been, you know, I just think, you know, he's been knocking down open threes. I mean, Kyle Kuzma has um, made it easier to get by without Wesley Matthews also. Kyle Kuzma's discovered who he should be in the NBA, seems like. To, to follow through on that, like I just think that there's been a real maturity to Kyle Kuzma, and it feels like this year he has sort of 
like we've kind of hit like the ultimate DGAF Kyle Kuzma. Like he, you know, is less concerned about numbers. I mean, I don't know if he's less concerned about numbers, but he is certainly like, like you said, it seems like he has embraced what he can be. And, you know, he's had a couple double doubles on this trip. You know, so he had a game with six offensive rebounds, you know, younger Kyle Kuzma, you know, who was going out and looking for 25 a night, wasn't going in and crashing the boards and getting six, six offensive rebounds in a game. I just think that he has really embraced kind of what is needed from him on a given night. And there have been nights where he's been needed to go score 25 points because Anthony Davis has been out or LeBron's been out and he has, and he has risen to the occasion on those in, in those instances. But for the most part with this team, you know, that's not going to be what they need from him. And he has, um, and listen, like, I mean, last night, if somebody has a box score up, you can check me on this, but I think he had like six points and four rebounds or something like that. Like it was a quiet production night, but like, there was there was the great video of him, you know, basically one on one with Trey Young and steering Trey Young away from the basket, and you know, a great defensive possession. And Kuz tweeted it last night with you know, kind of like you know the, the sarcastic, you know, all cap lowercase, you know, Kuz doesn't play defense, <laughs> and it's like, like I think he is, a, I think he's relishing becoming, you know, a more complete player. I think he has found the the joy and beauty in becoming a more complete player. Yeah, and I, I feel like there, there's been some parallels with, with, with him and, and Alex in terms of their ability just to fill multiple roles and, and do multiple things. And I, I think that's what you want, uh, you know, next to a LeBron or, or an AD is is you want guys who are going to wear multiple hats, aren't, um, you know, the, the and, and that's where I think Wes is, is you know, to, to kind of tie it back to that, like, that's where he hasn't really fit in because he's just basically been a spot up shooter. And if you have guys like Alex, THT, Kyle, who could get out in transition, they can also spot up, uh, you know, they, they can cut, they can handle the ball a little bit. Like those guys just can do multiple things that, that, you know, Wes doesn't really provide. So, um, you know, I, I think another trend that we, we've seen the past couple of games is the fast break points. Like they had 18 fast break points last night and you, you can't, not say that's because you know THT and, and Alex are playing more. Like those guys fly out in transition. So um, I, I think, but but Ky, I mean, to me, Kyle is like the, the Swiss Army knife. I, I know LeBron also said that a, a, about Alex, but um, I, I do think like both of those guys can can do. You know, they get you offensive rebounds. They they make timely threes. They they can get you stops and, and switch and defend multiple guys. So um, you know, having multiple types of those guys in your rotation, I I think is very valuable in 2021 for sure. Um, Two losses on the road trip. Overall, five, five and two, obviously, uh, is a success, um, particularly how it ended. But the two losses, the Detroit one, you know, no Davis. And, uh, I mean, I'm surprised they lost that game. But that's probably not the one that, that we should discuss the most. I would say it's the Philadelphia one, right? I mean, because the, the Sixers are emerging right now, as we speak, as the best team in the East. We'll see if that continues. But um, Embiid... Uh, is to me uh, in he's in that one two three spot of the MVP race with LeBron and Jokic. However you want to uh, you know slot them right now. Um, what did you think of that game that matchup? I mean Philly does have some components that kind of do match up well. Like just particularly with the Lakers. I mean the fact that you do have a monster Embiid inside. Uh, you know that that's battling with Davis and then you know Ben Simmons is is about as good of a LeBron defender as you're going to get uh, at this point. What did you guys think of that game? I thought that the Lakers actually defended Joel Embiid uh, pretty well. That game had a pretty tight whistle, uh, especially against Embiid, and, and that's the risk you run, you know, when when you're defending a superstar. And you know, the, the Lakers kind of saw that last night with, with Trey Young. But um, 
I felt that, you know, they got some ticky-tack fouls against them. He ended up shooting 13 free throws. But aside from that, you know, it was 8 of 18 from the floor. Um, I thought Marcus Gasol continued to defend him well. I think entering the game, uh, Joel had, had shot like 31% overall for his career against Marcus Gasol uh, per NBA.com's tracking data. So, you know, Mark, he's not the, you know, Embiid stopper. But he, he's big, he, he's strong, he, he has good feet, and he, he's kind of good at the, the things that Embiid likes to do, which is, you know, kind of post you up, face you up. Uh, like, Mark can defend that. It's it's when you stretch him out to the three-point line, put him in pick-and-roll actions, like, th- that's where he can be exposed. But if you're just going to dump the ball to Embiid on the block or, or the mid-post, like, Mark can, can hang with him there. So... I thought he did a good job. Uh, I thought Trez actually did a better job. Now, when Trez defended him, the Lakers really loaded up and, and you know almost always doubled him, and then had a third guy there waiting just in case he somehow got past the double. Uh, but and, and I thought AD defended him well over the last like five minutes. So I don't, I don't think the Embiid stuff was as bad as as some people made it seem to be. The, the guy that really hurt them was Tobias Harris, and I felt he, he really feasted on the weak side of you know all that attention they threw at Embiid. Tobias was often the guy, you know, get, getting the, the late rotations, uh, attacking from the weak side. So I think that's something to monitor. You know, Ben Simmons got out in transition. Um, but th- this team, I, I think that the one thing that they possess that kind of negates some of the Lakers' advantages is, is just a bunch of size. Like you look at some of they're those huge. guys that they're throwing out there, they're huge. And, and you know, I, I think the Lakers in most matchups have a size advantage. They don't have a size advantage against Philly. Philly's Big, long, and really good defensively. So I have concerns about their offense in a series against the Lakers, but defensively, I think they could certainly hang with them. Yeah, especially if, if uh, Thibel can figure out his offense enough to like stay on the floor. I mean, I saw him against Indiana the other day just wrecking havoc defensively. He would just kind of add another defensive component to, to what Philly should be. They look better with Doc Rivers at the helm. Um, I, that seems to have unlocked Tobias Harris. That wasn't just like a one game, nice game for Tobias Harris. Like he's had a very good early season, which has raised their ceiling. What do you think about Simmons on LeBron? LeBron still had had 34. Um, and, and this was one of those games where uh, it felt like a quiet 34 kind of, uh, you know, he, he did hit some shots in the fourth, but um, I, I don't know. Like, I, I think it, it it's just, is LeBron hitting a shot at, at this point? You know, he has been, um, not attacking the rim as much this season. It feels like that, that's almost a form of load management in games is he's kind of just become, I know Marcus Thompson just wrote about it. Like he's become this elite marksman where uh, averaging a career high in attempts in threes and also shooting a career high percentage at, uh, you know, 41%. So I think with, with LeBron, at least up to this point in the season, it's just been a matter of, is he making his shots that's kind of dictating the matchups. But I still, I still lean LeBron. Like I, I think I'm, I'm with you in that Ben. If I'm drafting guys to defend LeBron, he's probably in my top ten, if not approaching that top five. Uh, but I, I still think LeBron is LeBron. I mean, you know, we've been seeing it all trip. Like he, he, the Cleveland game or Milwaukee, you know, this game. Like he, he can drop 35, you know, with his eyes closed. So I. I still, you know, give a heavy advantage to LeBron in any matchup, including Ben Simmons. You think there's potentially nine guys you'd rather have guarding LeBron than Ben Simmons? Nine. Uh, I'm just saying, if if you say he's definitely in the top ten, I, mean, like, I said top. You said top ten, and you said know, approaching seven, yeah. top five. But so then, say he's in your top six if he's if he's not if you, if you if you're not if you're ruling out that he's the tenth. I'm just curious. I'm just curious. Like I don't know if I could name five guys that I would rather have defending LeBron than Ben Simmons. I would take Kawhi. Kawhi's dropped off defensively. I think he, he has, but I I felt there, there like there were 
moments last year when he turned it on. I still think he has like top five defender in the league ceiling. He just can't get to that for 48 minutes. Yeah, well, let's talk about over the course of a playoff series then. We're talking six, seven games, you know, bulks of each game. Because of Ben Simmons' youth, and just uh, his his just burst lateral quickness that again I just think Kawhi was the answer when Kawhi was Ben Simmons' age. Remember when he was on those Spurs teams? There's that like famous uh, you know little clip where LeBron's at the free throw line, looks over, and Kawhi's coming back in the game. He's like, "Oh God damn it!" Um, <laughs> it's like to me that's where Ben Simmons is at defensively. Now Ben Simmons does. It clearly isn't Kawhi, you know, from an offensive standpoint. But Ben Simmons, I still believe, just is maybe the most underrated defender in basketball. Like he, I think he's like a top three defensive player. We're not just talking about guarding LeBron. I'm, I think he's like a top three defensive player in the league. I mean, you, you can make that case. I'm not going to like necessarily disagree with that. Um, Come on, yo, the, I, the, I guess we can't have an agreeable podcast. Disagree. I know. Uh, well, I, I just I think I think there's a lot. It's a lot of like splitting hairs. Like I, I look at Miami. I, I feel like Bam and Jimmy are, are in that mm-hmm. conversation. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to go down the list here. I mean, Giannis. Uh, Giannis, he doesn't really go. That's like, I know one of the issues that like, you know, LeBron has, I think, th- through some of his media channels voiced about Giannis, like defensive player of the year doesn't take the big wing assignment when we play him. So, but I mean, yeah, if we're just talking pure defenders, Giannis, I mean, he's the reigning defensive player of the year. Gobert has an unbelievable regular season impact. I don't know. We've probably gone too far down the defensive rabbit hole. <laughs> um, I'll, all I'll say, though, is like... Th- because of that game and because of how Philly has looked early this season, to me, they have emerged as probably, but they're right up there with Brooklyn as like the most interesting potential finals matchup with the Lakers more than I think Milwaukee, who the Lakers handled pretty easily. And then even Miami, who, you know, that was the matchup last year that they kind of disposed of them. And what's Miami right now? Like seven and 13, something like that. Yeah. That hasn't aged well. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I think, uh, you know, I, I'd still put Brooklyn. Uh, it might be a 1A, 1B or, or 1-2. I, I haven't really decided on that yet. Um, you know, clearly I need to work on my my ranking here. But uh, I, I would say Philly is, is definitely ahead of uh, Milwaukee, Boston, Miami, whoever else you want to throw in the mix. Miami is 7-13. I didn't realize it gotten that bad. Jeez. Yeah. I mean, they've had a lot of coronavirus issues for and sure. different health stuff. So it's like it's it's probably a little bit of a deceiving seven and thirteen. But I would say overall, like they've you know, Tyler Hero has not uh bounced back like you know, trampolined off the bubble like we thought. A lot of the bubble stars um have been disappointing early in the season. I mean, you look at Denver, Jamal Murray's not having a good season. Now Jokic is, but Lakers uh Nuggets on Thursday, right? Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, the Pistons on on Saturday, which is only interesting because they had a game postponed last night. Um, although everything seems to be trending toward them getting back on the horse, but a Pistons rematch. How did they lose that? <laughs> but I, I have to admit, I ba- I barely monitored that Pistons game. I figured that was just a Lakers walkover. And then a few days later, the Pistons came and played the Warriors in person, and the Warriors who are an average team this season beat the Pistons by like thirty. Blake Griffin was like you know, walking around the court with a cane and almost looked like what happened in that game? How did that happen? <laughs> well, Balake did make like six threes. Wow. That was a big part of it, you know, and like no AD and the Lakers just were listless. Like, I mean, they, it looked like they, you know, felt like they could kind of flip the switch like they did the night before in Philly, you know, you know, that I think was really probably what you would look at kind of as a scheduled loss. Um, just second, I have a back to back middle of a crazy long road trip. You're in Detroit, 
you know, hard to get excited about that game. You know, they just didn't, they just didn't bring it. I mean, I, I didn't have a problem with that loss to be honest. Um, you know, I actually didn't have a problem with either loss until they got to Boston. It's like you need to kind of reverse course and and sort of get things back on track. You can't let those losses snowball. I didn't have a problem with them losing back to back, but with particularly the way they lost. Yeah, and they they had that weird I don't know was it seven eight minute stretch in the fourth where they didn't score and and, and it was just like you know if you're gonna have one of those stretches against the Pistons like it's just one of those weird clunkers. I think it was just compounded by. Uh, you know, Utah having their 11 game win streak, the, the Clippers continuing to win, and, and then they lost back to back games that it, it just, you know, didn't really look great. But, um, and, and you know, they, they'd been the number one seed basically all season uh, until a few days ago, and, and now they're at number three. So, uh, I mean, yeah, looking at it, like the Pistons made 14 threes, Wayne Ellington made six, Blake Griffin made five. Uh, you know, the, the, the Pistons shot more free throws which is rare for the Lakers, especially against like a lottery level team. Uh, so I, and I honestly think, you know, AD uh, for, for as valuable as LeBron is offensively. And, you know, we continue to see the numbers this year where they just fall off a cliff w- without LeBron offensively, like AD is that valuable to this team defensively. And, you know, th- there have been some rim protection issues w- w- for this team. Um, you know, it has dropped off. I know we had that conversation a few weeks ago, uh, but, you know, th- they are bottom five in multiple, you know, uh, points paint, uh, points in the paint allowed, you know, uh, field goal percentage at the rim, uh, field goal attempts at the rim. Like th- there are some things that are a little bit concerning with this team, despite being the number one defense. Uh, and I think that's just compounded without AD. So you have a, a team in Detroit, you know, Frank talked about it uh, after, I think it was before the the Boston game. Like he was like, I went back and watched the film and they hit a bunch of contested threes. Like, you know, what are we supposed to do when they're, they're just hitting a bunch of shots? Like it was just one of those nights. So I think as Bill said, you know, schedule loss, but, but also, just some hot shooting and, and they really missed AD defensively. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream direct TV satellite free. Hey Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get direct TV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream direct TV over the internet now. Oh sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit directtv.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. You know, it was just funny to me the way those fourth quarters went back to back. You know, the, the Lakers had the, that great run to come back and take a late lead on Detroit, you know, where they were able to score, what was it, 13 straight in the final two minutes or something like that. And then they go six or seven minutes in the fourth quarter the next night without scoring. And it just, it just like, just to me, it was just like some, some days you're the windshield, some days you're the bug, you know, it just, it, it, I just couldn't get, I just couldn't get worked up about, about it, you know, you know, in the, in the 90th minute of basketball they'd played, you know, that in, in, in those 48 hours. Um, but, but, you know, you're right. I mean, there, there were certainly, there certainly are things to look, to watch for with the Lakers and that Pistons game, you know, it did do one thing that I think, you know, we will look back on as significant. It forced, it forced Frank Vogel to shorten the rotation to, you know, send Markeith and Wesley Matthews to the end of the bench and to, you know, and to give, Alex Caruso a bigger role. So I think, you know, I I think in that sense, you know, wins, you know, and Frank Vogel talks about this all the time, you know, you can't have losses like that and and not learn something from them. And I think, you know, the Lakers, you know, it gave the Lakers the motivation to make a change that so so far has worked out really well. Thursday is a fun one. Just like I think it's going to be pinned up as um, 
kind of early MVP class, you know, a little bit, I guess, like LeBron Embiid was, but like Jokic right now, I think he had 47 on the Jazz to break that um, 11 game win streak Utah had. Um, they're starting to gain a rhythm. Um, and first game after a long road trip sometimes can be a little bit dull energy wise. What are you guys uh, looking for? I mean, West Finals uh, rematch, which is, I still can't believe I'm saying that, but West Finals rematch. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think I'm, I'm curious to see the, the Jokic Gasol matchup. I mean, that's something that we really circled in the in, in the offseason, right? That that was the, the value of getting Marc Gasol and basically swapping Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee for Marc Gasol was that it gave you sort of that physical answer to Nikola Jokic. So I'm going to be curious to see what that looks like in the flesh. Um, you know, the Nuggets have just been really solid lately. I mean, I think we talked about them at one point on on the Forum Club here, and we talked about, you know, they were down at 12, 12th or something in the Western Conference. You know, they're, they're they're 12 and 8 now. They're, you know, they're fifth in the West. I mean, they've kind of found their stride. Like you said, Jamal Murray still hasn't, hasn't been the player he was in the playoffs. Um, but you know, it'll, it's, you know, I'm curious just to see their kind of their whole package because, you know, you know, uh, Porter jr. Has struggled, uh, Murray struggled and it, it has been kind of the, the Jokic show. And I don't know, I have, I have no problem with, with casting it as, as an early MVP matchup because, you know, I, you know, and, and, and this gets back to something I think we were talking about a little bit off air, but you know, a week ago we were talking about the MVP being LeBron's to lose and that this was a. You know that he has sort of he has he has the he has the early narrative momentum. He's playing like an MVP. He's got the best team in the league, and then the Lakers go five and two on a road trip. LeBron plays every game, and like I'm seeing all sorts of like you know articles all over the internet that are like it's an Embiid versus Jokic MVP race because LeBron you know kind of was a little bit pedestrian on this road trip by his own standards, and I think you know LeBron can seize that narrative momentum back. Um, pretty quickly with a with a strong showing if he can outplay uh, Jokic. It's also so early, like we're just like we're just swinging <laughs> wildly. It's like it's yeah, like if you, if you guys have you guys seen the video of the guy who's like who's it's like how you cut down a palm tree and the guy who's like at the top of the palm tree and like cuts a piece of it off and then he goes like swinging wildly to the other side. Like that's what the MVP race right now feels like. He's just like he's at the top of this three hundred foot palm tree, just like swaying back and forth wildly. I think there's a clear three man race forming now Luka Doncic can go on some hot streak and get into it if if the Warriors somehow surprise and Steph Curry goes on a one month bender where he's hitting eight threes a game like he can get into it because like you said it's early as we just saw you know a week ago we didn't consider Jokic in the race because the Nuggets were a disappointment now they've won you know a handful of games in a row and and through that that includes him dropping 47 on Rudy Gobert and it's like whoa you know let's add him into this conversation so um LeBron is that to me for LeBron to win it though because I don't think his stats are going to be Jokic level just because I don't think he's pushing for them to be like that Jokic's stats by the way are ridiculous um I think the Lakers have to clearly be the best team in the league and I don't mean like we all think they're the best team in the league I just mean record wise right I think they need to kind of cruise to a one seed which I think what's changed through their five and two road trip is just that Utah is playing really well. The Clippers, by the way, are, you know, they're the one seed right now. The Clippers are the one, the Jazz are the two as we're talking and uh, the Lakers are the three. So I think that's probably what's, what's, what's killed some of that LeBron buzz. What's interesting, Clippers, like I said, best team in the West right now. I'm not sure we consider them to have like a, a, a prime MVP candidate right now because George is playing well. The team is shooting threes. Unbelievable. Kawhi is, 
Kawhi's awesome. I mean, he's he. Well, I saw him just kind of assassinate the Knicks uh, in a matinee the other day. But um, I I don't know where you're at, Yovan. But to me, it, it, there's a, a significant drop off after the top three right now in like early MVP race. I do think Kawhi uh, is probably being a little overlooked uh, just because um, you know, like they, they do have the best record in the league right now. Uh, his numbers aren't necessarily his best career numbers, but I do, I do think it's going to be similar to the LeBron argument where if the Clippers end up with the best record in the league, um, he's clearly their best player. I know Paul George has had a really good, you know, kind of bounce back season, but I think everything runs through Kawhi there ultimately. Uh, so I think, I think Kawhi might make it a four man race. Uh, but you know, it's funny. We're talking about how quickly things change. Like I just had a piece with, uh, Seth Partnow come out a couple days ago, uh, bouncing around different topics and um like we, we started that piece almost a week ago and at the time you know i i started off with like okay so the lakers are like the most dominant team that no one's talking about like we're, we're talking about utah we're talking about the clippers we're talking about the nets but like the lakers are have the best record in the league they're number one in net rating you know they're top five offense and defense um and and by the time we finished the piece they had lost the two games um, you know, I, I was in the fourth quarter of that Boston game. I was kind of freaking out like, crap, I'm going to have to scrap like the first half of this story. Um, and, and, you know, it's just it, it's interesting how quickly these things change, because as you said with Jokic, like a week ago, he wasn't even necessarily in the conversation because they were barely above 500, you know, and, and now they're they're back in that four or five mix. So it is going to be interesting. I, I do think that as long as the Lakers, you know, stay the one seed or, or, you know, maybe the two seed, like LeBron will heavily be in that mix. But for me, I'm just interested to see how Denver matches up with, with the Lakers. And, um, you know, we, we've kind of seen the, the Lakers have gotten up for the bigger games this year. Um, you know, I guess with maybe the exception of, of the Clippers game on opening night. But, you know, Milwaukee, Boston, Philly, like they, they've gotten up for those games recently. I think they're going to get up for the Denver game. And, you know, is that a, a 20 point home blowout where the Lakers send a message and say, hey, like, you know, last year's conference finals run was cute, but we're still the best in the West. Or is cute. that a tough game that goes out of the wire? And, and uh, <laughs> maybe, uh, you know, maybe Denver pulls it like I, I mean, the Lakers are four and four at home. Like they got to start winning some home games, too. So um, I, I'm just interested to see how like how that game kind of plays out and in, in sort of where it shows those two teams are currently at. Yeah. Great points all around, guys. Uh, we're going to get out of here and let and let folks go back to uh, um, diving deep on Juliana Car- Carlos's uh, Instagram feed. But um, in the meantime, thank you for listening. I'm Bill Oram. Thank you to Jovan Buha, Anthony Slater. Big week ahead for the Lakers. We're excited to see it. We'll be talking about it next week right here on the Forum Club. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.